Hello and welcome to another episode of Miked, the official podcast of St. Michael Catholic Church, Gastonia. I am your host, Shane Page, the Director of Evangelization at this great parish where we are invested so that we might be transformed and fully the Lord Jesus Christ. I am joined this week with the journeyman, Father Rossi. That's right. You are the journeyman. I'm going to be. Yeah, next so week, excited. trip to the Holy Land. At this time next week, we will be there. Yes, uh, your first time in the Holy Land. Ever. Are you excited? I am. Every. I was just telling you before we got started that, you know, every moment that passes in the day now, I keep getting a little bit more excited. And, um, you know, there's a lot of... You know, there's that unknown kind of a little bit of that. Oh, sure. What's it going to be like? You know, I've never seen, you know, Israel, never been in the Holy Land. And um, I have, as I'm not afraid at all about security or anything, but I'm just, it's not even fear. It's just sort of that um, I'm trying not to have a lot of expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to go kind of a clean slate and just say, just let things unfold. And that's basically what I want. Just go, let the Lord, it's his land. And he works and he's been healing and converting and, working in that land for 2,000 years. Yes, yeah, exactly right. And then yeah. if you go back to ancient Israel history, it's been longer than that. The yes. Lord's, the Lord's uh, movement of the pro- the people to the promised land, you know, that really I was thinking that the Holy Land is not just about, like, yes, it's where Jesus lived and healed and preached and had ministry, but it's it, 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 that's also built in, on top of all the other thousands of years of history prior to, you know, uh, Jesus being born, you know, that it's not just here are the sites that were important in Jesus's life, you know, um, like Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, and yeah. um, the, you know the exile, the Exodus that led them there. So, it will make you realize that the United States of America, we are in our infancy. <laughs> we're, we're barely out of the womb, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> Compared to other nations. Oh, yeah. sure. So there are, there are sites in Israel and the Holy Land like, oh, yes, this goes back to Abraham. You know, thousands of thousands of years. And like, wow, we go back, what, 250? Yeah, <laughs> Thereabouts. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Well, before we get into um, our discussion today, because I really want to uh, follow up with the homily on Sunday, the readings for Sunday about the Beatitudes and Matthew in Matthew's gospel, because um, what you can't do in a homily is go over each one. Otherwise, we would still be in the Mass uh, today, a few days later. Before we do that, though, uh, one more quick, quick plug for our listeners and uh, St. Michael parishioners about the Lenten journey that uh, is upcoming. You don't have to go into the details, but sure, just sure. one more little plug about that. One more little plug or get more than that. But uh, yes, so this Lent, we are going to be, I'm inviting all of you. And all of our listeners, too, uh, that maybe don't go here or, or, you know, kind of visit here occasionally to join me on Lenten Journey. Uh, we're using a spiritual um, uh, journey called Rep- uh, Return by Father John Burns, and he's a priest at Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And I just want to invite you all to join me in that. It's uh, We're going to be using a, a book that he has authored. Uh, Father John is known for his uh, great uh, retreat master um, abilities. He's a skilled theologian. Uh, he's been a professor at, I think he might still be a professor at uh, Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. Uh, he's also been spiritual director and worked with the Missionaries of Charity, uh, Mother Teresa's sisters in the past. There will also be companion videos that you can link into as well, but each day of Lent will be a focused time of prayer. Uh, the scriptures for the day will be uh, acknowledged and reflected upon, and then you have an opportunity to journal uh, in that day uh, with reflection questions provided by 
uh, Father John Burns in this in this book called Re- Return. So we're returning to the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's the first words out of Joel's mouth for the Ash Wednesday reading, Return to the Lord with all your hearts. So that's what we want to do, and so I want to encourage everyone to join me. I uh, want to make this a parish-wide endeavor so that everyone is uh, journeying in Lent uh, together, and that's what we want to do with Return. So this is a great opportunity to then return to the Lord. Yes, thank you, Father, for that uh, parish-wide study and, and, and journey. It's going to really be uh, great for, for us. So we're in the uh, year A, the Gospel of Matthew, the most Jewish of all of the Gospels, and the first Gospel that uh, any reader comes across after uh, the prophets uh, of the Old Testament. And so the, the readings this past Sunday were Jesus' Beatitudes and Matthew. And these are, of course, the proverbial Beatitudes that we think of when we right. think of the Beatitudes. Although if you look at Luke and his gospel, the Beatitudes are a little bit different, but we're, we'll get into that a little bit later. One thing I do want to uh, point out for those of you who um, may be new to the Gospel of Matthew, or maybe this is just a little nugget you've never even thought about as well. If you really trace the Gospel of Matthew up until chapter 5, what do you see? Well, you've got the genealogy, then you've got the birth of, of Jesus, then you've got his exile to Egypt, and then he comes back out of Egypt, and then he goes into the wilderness of his temptations, and now he's climbing up a mountain where he's going to give now in the Sermon on the Mount, which I believe are going to be the readings in the masses for the next few weeks now. We're going to be hearing from yes. the Sermon on the Mount. Well, who does that sound like, everybody? That is the story of Israel, and in particular, it's the story of Moses going up now the mountain and then sitting down and now giving the people this kind of new law. Mm-hmm. So Matthew loves to frame Jesus as like the new Moses. It's like the recapitulation now of the Israel story in a person. So a little bit of biblical right. trivia for our and listeners. Isn't that mostly because Matthew was primarily concerned with the Jewish readers of his time? He was, and he uh, cites the prophets more than anybody else right. uh, to show how Jesus fulfills all of those great prophecies. Uh, so we have here the, the beatitude, the blesseds, the blessed are the poor in spirit. And you had mentioned on Sunday that the Greek word really we can translate as as happy, happy are the poor in spirit. And I love your, your phrase, and this is right out of Aristotle that, and Aquinas, of course, as well. All of us are pursuing happiness all the time. Right. Why are you here, Father? To be happy. Right. Why are our listeners listening to this podcast? To be happy. Everything is trying to get to happiness in some degree. It's why all of our actions tend toward our own kind of happiness. But Jesus is very countercultural in his understanding of happiness in these Beatitudes. So just maybe say a, a moment about how inverted this is. Not what we would expect. Right, not what we'd expect at all. Uh, I think that the culture that we live in, you know, we have a different list of beatitudes of what things or conditions of life or people are blessed, meaning happy. Uh, you know, we would say, you know, blessed are the great. Oh, yes. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the wealthy. Blessed are the healthy. Um, blessed are the prosperous. Yes. Uh, blessed are the comfortable. Blessed are the beautiful. Blessed are the successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Jesus's Beatitudes turn everything upside down um, because ultimately what the Beatitudes of Christ show us is the real happiness comes from not filling up our lives but emptying them. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, so that's just empty. countercultural, counterintuitive. Uh, but but every, in every way, each Beatitude is, is, a, is a challenge uh, f- for us uh, to really just... Um, to, to be empty of ourselves, to pour ourselves out, and and then what what comes from doing that to the you know the response of 
or the reaction uh, of emptying oneself, you know. But also the Beatitudes, um, you know, I was reading recently the reflection that they're really, they're, of course, they're, many commentators say they are about Christ. Christ is speaking of himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I was kind of quipped, you know, I, I certainly didn't read the Beatitudes and go, oh, well, then these are talking about me. You know, <laughs> I said, these are all ways I'm, you know, sort of think I'm not this way right. or the Beatitudes can come off as an unachievable ideal. You know, just, well, that's, at best, we'll frame it and put it on a wall in our kitchen, and that's nice, right? I mean, I'm not sure that it's just, they don't. We they need to really challenge us, and they're and they're they're possible, you know, but only in Christ. Only in Christ, and you 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 drew that out in your homily that this the beatitudes are all the result of our union with Christ. Right. This is what is going to be. It's almost like a fruit. It's a it's an effect. It's not something that we can do ourselves. And what I like too is another reflection I read was this is actually Christ on the cross. Yes, this is Christ you know, on yes, he fulfilled all the of these of Christ on the cross. One is him emptying himself, you know, uh, being detached from worldly things, possessions, everything. He divested himself, he emptied himself fully. He's the, he's the merciful, the he's cross, the mourner so on the cross. Yes. We want to say these about Christ crucified. Yes, yes. And I think it's also important to say that Jesus is speaking in what we call the indicative mood because there are those who say, and I've heard people preach a sermon as if, okay, here are your steps to become poor in spirit. Jesus is not leveling a program. He's not giving you steps on how to become poor in spirit. Um, He is pronouncing what is. Who are the blessed? The poor in spirit. They just are. So he's not speaking in kind of a future tense, but he's pronouncing what is today, the what's called the indicative mood. And so we can imagine Jesus uh, leveling these Beatitudes for the first time, and it would have struck the hearers as oddly as it strikes us. Mm-hmm. These are not who we would put on the list right. of the blessed, because even in some places in the Old Testament, it's the wealthy who are the blessed of God. Um, as well, who have the abundance of sheep and cattle and everyone else, Jesus kind of challenges this presumption. And that no one, none of us would say any of these things. I mean, that's just like no one, no one would ever on their own go, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes, the, the poor are happy. Yes. Happier are the poor, happier are the mourners. We wouldn't talk like that. Yeah. So let's go quickly as much as we can um, through each one of these Beatitudes because um, we're not you're not able to on a, on, a, on a Sunday homily to go through all these and just extrapolate everything and exhaust them. Of course, they're inexhaustible in their meaning, anyway. Um, but I will put a nice plug in for our good uh, Bishop uh, Robert Barron. You know Bishop Barron on Word on Fire. He did uh, in a nice uh, cursory way did step through. Did he? So you know it, it is hard. He said he kind of laughed. You know about that. You know it's kind of dangerous to do this in a homily because you don't want to go too long, but. Uh, but, it, you know, it's good just to have little pieces of reflection because I don't think the idea of the podcast is to get us all to absor- – you can't absorb them all at once, but maybe the, what is the one that kind of zings you or mm-hmm. pulls at you and say, well, just focus on that beatitude as we step through them, which one resonates the most right now, and then maybe that's the one to look at. Yes, uh, and I love how some of the, the Christian mystics like Teresa of Avila and others, they look at the Beatitudes as an, a, a ladder of ascent mm-hmm. in order from the foundation to the top. Um, and it's like the ascent of holiness. What does it look like when you have a union with Christ? What are the fruits? Well, it's these and the foundation the foundational rung of the ladder, the foundational virtue of all the virtues is 
poverty of spirit or humility. Now, this is what you spent some time on on Sunday, but maybe uh, in just a few seconds, tell us what you meant by blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that uh, embrace their weakness and powerlessness, uh, that we all are limited in our humanity and that the very thing that we often are fighting every day is our weakness. We're trying to be, you know, we're trying to either root it out or to dominate it instead of just embracing it. That doesn't mean, it's not like some, you know, well, I'm just going to quit and stop trying. You know, as I used in the homily, St. Therese's image of the child Mm -hmm. trying to get up the stairs, lifting his little foot to the first step, won't get to the first step, but tries nonetheless, and the father, you know, comes down, picks up the child, seeing the child struggling in its weakness and carries the child up in his arms, never to let go, but that... What Therese says is we have to be at that step lifting our little foot. We have to keep lifting our little foot to that step, which means that's our will. That's our will saying, Lord, I'm opening my life to you. I'm ex- I want to be empowered by you, loved by you, transformed by you. I want to be totally yours. So I need. So God needs that will of ours to, to give him permission. You know, basically, the child has to allow the parent to come down the stair and pick him up and carry him. Yes. You know. Um, so, but it doesn't mean don't do anything. God will do everything, which is in a spiritual sense. Yes, God, surrender to God, surrender to God, and God will do everything for you, as the Psalms say. But that's not, it's not, I don't have to will. Right. So we do have to cooperate. Um, and so really the first step of the ladder, uh, the rung of the ladder is the poverty of spirit, spiritual poverty, recognizing that we're spiritually bankrupt, that I'm nothing, God, you're everything, everything I have, everything I need. You know, for holiness, holiness itself, friendship with you is all going to come from you, not because I'm doing anything to earn it, merit it, be rewarded for it. You know, um, it's the simplicity of a child. So that that's where we begin the journey, isn't it? Which would be the counterpoint. Is that the right word to the uh, cardinal sin, the foundational sin, which is pride, mm-hmm. egocentrism. I have what it takes. I'm going to do it. I will do it myself. Uh, my, my, uh, yes, uh, by my own strength. And mm-hmm. all the great saints, they embrace their poverty. They realize that there's nothing that I have that I have not received from the Lord. You know, even the gravitational uh, pull of the earth right now is keeping me together. I can't control that. My heartbeat, I can't control that. My mind, my intellect, I was born with it. And they just leaned into, like, if I've received everything from God, well, then if I'm going to be holy, then I have to receive that from him as well. So they, they have this kind of, I don't know how to put it, a, a relaxing right. into the Holy Spirit. This is not something that I have to strive and, and pull knuckle. myself up. Right. But yes, yeah. I can just release. And, and Therese and many others realize that I don't have what it takes. Right. And if you want me to fulfill all the things that a holy life requires, Lord, you're going to have to do the work in me. Correct. I'll just yeah. will it. Yeah. I'll just will to desire to let you do it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the first step in how often we get the spiritual life distorted because we, we do think white knuckling, it's all my effort. I got to try get back in the ring, you know, champ and give it another go like a boxing match. And God's going to ring the bell and come in and throw water on your face when you've had enough. <laughs> you know, just that's just... But isn't that? But isn't that yes. right? Like that's what we think. Oh, I got to go confess the same sin one more time, and then being discouraged about it, yeah. and just saying, "Lord, is we'll get to that later." He, merciful, blessed are the merciful, you know. Um, but the you know, uh, it's coming to that that 
resignation that I am nothing, you're everything, Lord. You know, not saying nothing like I have no value in a self-deprecating wrong image, a bad self-image. No, that's not what I'm, I'm nothing means. I'm nothing meaning, Lord, you're everything, and you want to fill me with, with your everything, which is your love, your friendship, your very life. Right. And, and then it, I am created for, for that very reason. You know, I am only existing because, because God wants to share his life and love with yeah. me. That is the only reason any human person exists. It's not that God decides now later that you exist, that maybe now I will share my life and love with you. Right? <laughs> right. So, you know. And, anyway. it's, it's, and it's the biblical pattern. I mean, he's the one who brings uh, springs of water out of the rock, uh, as the psalmists say, um, rivers from the desert. You think about... Um, Jesus at the wedding of Cana, that he acted when they ran out of wine, the abundance of fish mm. that were caught when they caught nothing. Sure. You know, that, Therese, good, yeah. you know, there's the, in, the, in the emptiness, God is the end filler with his own life. And the last insight I'll have about uh, the little flower on this point, which I, I just love it. She said, Peter's great mistake, uh, the reason he denied the Lord the way he did, his, his mistake is that he thought he could manage to avoid denying the Lord. So what he ended up doing is that Jesus says, before the end of this night, you know, the, before the cock crows three times, you will have denied me three times. And Or no, excuse me, before the cock crows uh, twice, you will have denied me three times. And she said his response was, I'll never do that. I could never do that. Not me, Lord, not me, anybody but me. I'm with you all the way. And she said, if only he would have responded, Lord, I'm a great sinner and I have that weakness in me, please pray for me. He might have avoided having denied the Lord. And I love that. It goes right back to yeah. you've got to be aware of the poverty of your own spirit. Yeah, and no one, none of us should ever say like Peter, I would never do that. Right. I mean, that was a lesson learned from him is, you know, don't say I would never do that. Like sin-wise, we're capable of the greatest good and the greatest evil, every one of us. And the only reason why we're not is God has given us the grace that we keep responding to to live a life in union with him. The Beatitudes ultimately are another form of commandments. I mean, this is like you can use all the Beatitudes as a examination of conscience in one sense. Sure, sure. So poverty of spirit, humility, the first step on the ladder of ascent. And then we move into uh, blessed are those who mourn, the most maybe counterintuitive of all the mm -hmm. Beatitudes. Right. We would never say, oh, you're in mourning. Blessed are you. Kind of give a sense of what Jesus might be getting at in that in that beatitude. Well, mourning for what? Mourning for the right things, being sad about the right things at the right times. So we should be sad when we sin against the Lord. We break our friendship with him or ruin it, break friendship with other people, you know, because of our sins. Um, we should be sad about the right things, you know. So mourning over, you know, Lord, I've, you know, I've wronged you, you know. Have mercy on me, I'm a sinner, you know. That that the beating of the, our, our chest in mass, you mm -hmm. know, that is a symbol of, you know, I'm a grievous sinner, you know, and so that should cause us to mourn, and that's a grace too to know our sins and to mourn over them. Oh, the gift of tears. Yeah, yes, so, and over know, our I sins. don't feel I have that gift. I hopefully one day, but I haven't. I don't think I've cried tears, tears necessarily, but I have had internally, you know, certainly, um, just yeah, sorrow, you know that. I offended the Lord, not been a good son of the Father. So be, what are we mourning about? You know, we should really ask, what, what causes me sadness? You know, like today, right now, I look out the window, it's dreary, 
drabby day. I could let that be my tone for the day, but you know, weather's weather. God is God of everything. But what causes us sorrow? What causes us to mourn? What causes us to be downtrodden? You know, <clears throat> so we we should really think about that. What pulls at my heart? You know, and that's fascinating. You say that because this was a revelation to me. It has been understood historically and traditionally, but going back centuries, to pertain to mourning over our sins. Many of the church fathers talk about it being that first wonder, mourning our sins. Like, yeah, wow, I wonder what that, the word in the in the Greek was mourning. You know what? Because Greek has so much more to do with its you know, language in our English. So the nuance there might be that. So yes, uh, go to confession. I mean, ultimately, blessed are the mourners. We're going to the mourners are in line to go to confession. It seems. Mm-hmm. I yes. mean, obviously, we and blessed are you because, because the catechism yeah. says as soon as you go to confession or you begin confessing your sins, God is already meeting you. He is already working yeah. at you. Yeah. Blessed are you in that moment. Yeah. What I usually say to every penitent is, you know, thanks be to uh, thanks be to God for. A good confession. Right? Yeah. Thanks be to Jesus for the grace of a good, you know, that Jesus, God did all this. I mean, like a good confession was, thank you, God. That yes. I had the grace to come in here and confess my sins. I mean, that's just like, this is still him. Yeah, you know, it's a grace. That you got there, got in that door, and got knelt down. and conf- I mean, that is the grace, too. I mean, that's so important. Cooperating to get you here, you let, you let God's grace move you, you know, um, and you listened, you yep. know. Um, and, of course, we mourn about our loved ones and people that die. There's, there's that sadness. Sure. And there can also be, that's good to be sad about that as well because we love. Because you've loved. But then we still know that the Lord will console us, you know, that he can still be our consolation even when we're mourning. And that, it's like, is that the right thing to be sad about? Yes, we have to grieve. Our Lord grieved over Lazarus. And he's God. Exactly. And he raised him from the dead. And, and that, that passage, you know, Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus, the, before he does it, Jesus wept. I've joked with others. It says, notice it says Jesus wept. If, if someone from the United States were to rewrite the story, they would say, not, and Jesus wept. It would be, and Jesus said, why is everybody weeping? Lazarus is in a better place now. Right. That is yeah. not what the Lord That's did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was open uh, to the sorrow of the world. Yes. I want to share just a couple of sentences. Oh, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but uh, I got an excerpt from Nicholas Wolterstorff's uh, great little small book called Lament for a Son. He lost his son tragically at a young age, and the book just is a chronicle of him dealing with his own grief, and he teaches theology or taught theology at Yale back in the 1980s, and um, he says this. I'm just going to read a couple of sentences. Why does Jesus hail the mourners of the world? Why does he cheer tears? It must be that mourning is also a quality of character that belongs to the life of his kingdom, his realm. Who are the mourners? The mourners are those who have caught a glimpse of God's new day and who ache with all their being for that day's coming and who break out into tears when confronted with its absence. They are the ones who realize that in God's realm of peace, there's no one blind and they ache whenever they see someone unseeing. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm, there's no one hungry and they ache whenever they see someone starving. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm, there's no one who suffers oppression and they ache whenever they see someone beat down. He goes on to say that the mourners are the aching visionaries of the world. Those who, are, who see God's promised world and that that world is not this one. Mm-hmm. And they ache for it. And they're able to just kind of see 
they are able to hope in a deeper way than those of us who kind of walk around oblivious to the oppression and injustice of the sure. world. And he says this, he says, the Stoics of antiquity said, be calm, disengage yourself, mm. neither laugh nor weep. But Jesus says, be open to the wounds of the world. I just love that. Yeah. It just speaks right into this. Well, I mean, yeah. that, that, that makes sense. Be open to being, basically it's this, be open to being wounded. Yeah. Don't fight it because we're all going to be, we are, we are already wounded. We'll be wounded in life and you can either suppress it and again, try to root it out and never be healed or allow Christ to heal you. But you have to mourn for that healing power to come first because there's a, seems to be an irresponsible, an acknowledgement and recognition in the morning itself. That's right. Like, I know I'm, my sins are are bad, and I've hurt and offended the Lord and others, and therefore my mourning, I am acknowledging it. Yep. And I think mourning, if you're going to love as Jesus asks us to love and to take the risks of his kind of love, your heart's going to get broken. Mm-hmm. There's just no way around it. Yeah. There, there will be mourning. It is just the effect of trying to love as Jesus calls us the next beatitude blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth interestingly he's quoting from a psalm i can't remember which one exactly it is but uh, there is a psalm that is blessed the the meek shall inherit the earth Mm -hmm. um i don't see it referenced here in my bible but i don't this isn't a study bible necessarily but moses was meek according to uh the the torah jesus refers to himself i am lowly and meek in heart, you know, when he says, come to me, all of you who labor, and I will give you rest. However, we hear that word, we tend to associate it with weak, W-E-A-K, which is not exactly what the word meek uh, means, but we have never seen, you know, on someone's resume, you know, we're posting a job, (laughs) candidate must be meek. What, how do you make sense of the meek? Um, Well, it it seems to be somewhat like, Humble, I guess. Yeah, there's a humility element to it. You know, um, it doesn't mean being a doormat. Uh-uh. But I think it really is um, probably just avoid, you know, trying not to be confrontational. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spatting out and lashing out and trying to get the last word in, you know. And that's our Lord there again. You know, he opened not his mouth and he was insulted. He, he returned no insult. And then also in Palm Sunday, doesn't it say, there, we hear from the Old Testament prophet, is it Zechariah? Yes, it's Zechariah. He will come to you meek, meek. and riding on a colt, right? That's, that's right. So there he is, meek, here he comes. And so that is not, it, he, what's he doing? He's creating a scene in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He, but he's meek. He is meek. And look what he's doing. There's palms, there's singing and yelling and cheering. So obviously meek doesn't mean, um, you know, just just Passive, hide, never speak yeah. up, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it seems to be a, a disposition of, of the heart, you know, um, to just refrain from a combative attitude. That's I suppose exactly what that means. We do not have, you know, we fight this in the culture because everybody's jumping in on social media mostly to, you know, throw stones. You know what I mean? They would do it with in, in the church, you know, they do it to the pope. They do it to priests. Priests do it to each other. Priests do it to the pope, you know. Um, you know, families do it to families, you know, uh, politicians and, you know, we get in there and we're like, well, I'm going to, I want to set it right. I'll chime in. I'll put a comment, open up that comment page for me. I'll let you know, you know, so I think there's so much of the, yeah, type it away. Warrior. 
Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so I really, and I'm really serious about this. I think, you know, yep. I haven't been on Facebook for over probably almost 15 years. I've, I have no Facebook account. Mm-hmm. I think social media is a tool, but I don't think every one of us has to be using it all the time. I'm like, if you're called to evangelize in a particular way and this is what you're doing with it, fine. But the reality is, is we know darn well that most people are on there just vitriolically throwing around news stories and just trying to get at people and make fun of people and get at other people and get another word in and wasting all of this time energy when we're not praying, we're not meditating, we're not reading the scriptures, we're not studying the faith, and all that time wasted for what? You know, you let, let them bicker about it. Let them figure it out. Is this in your fight? It may be, but what's going on under your roof? What's going on in your house, your household, your family, your spiritual life, your parish? You know, that's, that's what your city that you live in. These are the issues, right? This is what's going on. So I think we've really got to take stock of what um, we've allowed social media and even the news to do to our lives, you know. And, I mean, I really – it's mostly rooted out of my life. I really – and I can say on a certain sense I'm happier. It's like, well, don't you want to know what's going on? We're like, no, I really don't need to know everything and that's isn't going that a on. Sin? You know, I, I mean, mean it's isn't all, it's that like the need to know everything? We isn't pray that? for the world. We, it doesn't mean disengage and hide either. But, you know – the news is in, and it's crazy. I, we're getting a little in a rabbit hole here. But, but now, I believe Thomas Aquinas yeah. said, but this is an important point. I think Thomas Aquinas and, and others list uh, curiosity. Let me explain it. Curiosity as a sin or a potential sin. I'm not curiosity in the sense that I'm really curious about understanding how this works. And learning. Curiosity in the sense of I just need to know everything about everything just because I want to be in the know, mm-hmm. which is uh, opposite of studiousness, which is obtaining the information that you really need to know. Um, and I know on social media, you can really engage in this uh, understanding from the uh, Thomas's perspective of curiosity. Like, I just want to know. And then a little detail here, detail here. And it's trivial, trivial stuff. Yeah. You don't need to know any of That's this. True, but, I think, yeah. but, even, but even looking at it, I think that the news mainstream media in of itself is geared towards causing division and anger. So it's not the outrage, just, industrial it's not complex. Just, it's just not That's telling you. It. It's not just telling you information. It's d- telling you it in a way to make you insanely mad and angry and and right and so we get into that we share stories say look at this look at that look at this look at that you know look at this story look at that story you know and see here's why this bishop is bad or this priest is bad or the pope is bad or this pastor is bad or yeah. you know this family's bad or you know this person's bad or look at their car or that look country's at their job bad, look not, at that yeah. look at their kids and look at you know it's just what are we Christians? What are we doing? Right. I'm talking to the Christians, like the people of the world. But why, if you know, one of the things we really got to put in check is this issue, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that that's where we need to. Well, um, the word meek, before we move on to the next one, it does come from a Greek word that has some resonances with taming a wild horse. Mm-hmm. So you're right on track. It is about being controlled, learning how to control your anger, especially, and your passions. Yeah. That person is meek. And self-control is a great virtue. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is a truly strong person, yeah. not a weak person. Yeah. So the yeah. meek person is virtuous, can control his or her 
passions and not lash out. The next one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is one of my favorite ones because we live in a culture that says, well, I don't want to be a religious fanatic. Now, I don't want to, you know, we, we, we believe in moderation. You know, I'm not going to like wear my Jesus love on my sleeve. You know, I mean, we kind of had this compartmentalized approach to religion, but Jesus does not say they're blessed. Blessed are those who hunger for yeah. righteousness, who who thirst for it, who are almost, uh, my words, almost fanatical well, about mean, union yeah. with Christ. Yeah, ultimately, that's what happens with the saints: is they in the world look like fanatics. Yes, on some on some level, like you're just going to be that differentiated of the worldliness around you that you're going to look like that to certain people. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think some of the, uh, I think it's again, Aquinas, he's the star of the podcast. He says on on most of the other uh, great virtues, it's about finding the golden mean. Like you want to be generous, but you don't want to be reckless. Right. Um, And then you don't want to be the the opposite of reckless, which is just, you know, parsimonious and and just clutching everything. You're always trying to find the golden mean, except for the love of God. The love of God should always be in the extreme. Mm-hmm. I love that. So blessed are those who are fanatical, who hunger and thirst for holiness, for righteousness, for their union with Christ. And then you have blessed are the merciful. And you certainly see this Jesus on the cross, his merciful heart that was pierced. What's mercy? Well, you know, the biblical word is hesed, you know, that is, it's not an attribute of God, it is God, he's merciful, he is the one who um, cannot help but pour out his mercy to us, to the sinner, to love the sinner, to um, to pull us out of sin, to desire that for us, you know, to um, to hold back justice, yeah. you know, uh, for a time, you know, so that mercy can triumph in the, in the heart. Um but it's that um, that loving, compassionate, loving kindness, uh, merciful love. I mean, it just it, it's, it's hard really to define. Hard. It is hard to define one word because it, it is related. It, it to encompasses justice. it encompasses all of that. Yeah. You know, but even even God, mercy is in a sense God's justice being played out. It's like God's justice right. is actually merciful. You know, it's justice. It doesn't through. mean I'm not going to distribute justice. Right. You know, but Faustina. You know, said with you know, Diary Faustina of um, the divi- divine mercy, the hardest hearted, the most hardened of sinners has the greatest right to my mercy. Right. But isn't that, it's kind of like a justice saying, I'm going to offer in this justice my mercy to this hard hearted sinner, you know, because God is, has said, you know, he's going to offer that mercy, you know, at, at every turn. But we, we don't have all the time in the world to accept it. Yeah, we tend to think of mercy and justice as being um, separate from each other. I do know that St. John of the Cross and others, they, they do talk about as we grow in holiness, the more we'll realize that in God, mercy and justice are the same. They, mm. they go together. It's right. like this pardon. Mercy is justice through pardon. Mm-hmm. Whereas we think, well, pardon means just letting someone off the hook, sweeping it under the rug. It's yeah. not sweeping it under the rug, our offenses. I heard a, a priest once say this. Um, and I don't think I'll get it right, but mercy comes the very moment when we des- when we realize we deserve punishment. It's like it was when the prodigal realized I have completely screwed up my life and I'm going to go to my father because I deserve punishment. It was then he received mercy. Correct. And so at the moment we realize we deserve punishment, that's when God's mercy comes into play. 
and Which that's is why his we, justice work. We go to confession. Like, I know I should be punished from going to confession. Yes. To receive mercy, I don't want to go to confession to be punished. And before we move on, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So Jesus will go on to talk about, you know, that we are to forgive even the Lord's Prayer as we forgive others. Right, yeah. So it's the merciful who will receive it. Blessed are the pure in heart. This one used to trip me up because I always think, well, I'll never be pure in heart. I can't be. Um, always thinking great thoughts all the time. Uh, how do, how would you tell someone what are the who are the pure in heart? Well, pure of heart. Then you know we hear another translation say clean of heart, um, but really just being uh, see, see free from the attachments of the world. Mm -hmm. I think like my heart can't belong to the things of the world. It has to belong to God. And if it if it does, I'll see God. If I allow myself to be detached. Right. It doesn't mean that power and money and success and prosperity are bad in of themselves. They're not. They can blind us to God's goodness very easily. But that what but what is my heart attached to? What do I really believe is going to give me happiness? And if I lose money, prosperity, health, wealth, whatever, will I still want to be totally the Lord's? Mm. Will the Lord still have my totality of heart? You know, Bishop Barron said saints are all about they're only about one thing. Right. Saints are about one thing. It, Jesus, you yes, know, total union with God. So that, that goes, is the one thing. Yeah, so that goes back to I think it was Peter Kreeft. You ever heard of Peter Kreeft? Mm -hmm. I think he in one of his books said it. It, it can be also translated as like clarity of purpose. Yeah. Um, the the saints, those who are pure of heart, in the sense they will one thing. They want one thing in life, and that is union with Jesus. And they're not pulled in other directions, which goes back to the attachment piece. So this is possible for all of us if Jesus is living in us as well. We always want to come back to that. And then the last two, I'm going to combine. Well, no, the, I'm skipping one. Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice it's not the peace lovers. It is very easy to say, oh, I love the idea of peace. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't bless those who just have to throw up the peace sign. Love the idea. He blesses the ones who try to make it. Yeah, maybe make a couple of comments about that. Well, peacemakers is a difficult thing. That means am I going to try and reconcile with my spouse, my children? <laughs> it's my active friend when there is a tension, a wrong. It's the very conversations my brothers and sisters that we just probably prefer not to have. They're the hard conversations. Peacemakers, you know, will I admit when I'm wrong with another? Peacemakers, you know, and not yes, peace lovers in the sense of it's not just trying to get rid of trying to avoid conflict for the sake of peace. That's not what it's, peacemakers are. Jesus went in to make peace initially. He's the king of peace, but he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but bring the sword later. It's like, well, I thought yeah. Jesus said he was busted to the peacemakers. Basically saying, if you're going to follow me and, and, and unite to me, there will be division, hardship, and war, and, and you know, and all kinds of um, broken relationships because he confronted them with the truth of right. himself but the truth brings peace if one accepts it yes but it so, can bring conflict right. at but first it's not the truth's fault it's not jesus fault it's just that it's how we react how we've reacted to it yes so yes christ came yes to bring peace but not a worldly peace it doesn't mean i came to bring peace on earth even though that's what we say at christmas peace on earth goodwill towards men and the glory of yes but it doesn't mean that the world's going to be without conflict and the world will one day be peaceful but at the second coming you know, when Christ subdues all enemies and for all time, it will be all, the conflict will be now over. 
but peace just isn't the absence of war. Oh, that's right. It's the presence of justice. I mean, that's how Martin Luther King Jr. understood that peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of something right. in the biblical sense. Of the person it's the presence of God's yeah. justice. Yeah. Yeah. And, that there, and there can be no peace without forgiveness yeah. in the biblical uh, context. So blessed are the peacemakers. We have to make peace through forgiveness, through confronting our own sins, perhaps the sins of others, but we have to make it. And then the last two I'm going to combine because according to the mystics on this ladder of ascent now, we're getting close to the top rungs of what perfection looks like in this world are those persecuted for righteousness and those who are reviled and slandered. And some of the mystics, I think St. Teresa of Avila is one of them, that this is the one most people don't get to this part because when it comes to slander, being slandered, being persecuted, we shrink back from this. We don't want it. But Jesus is saying that if he's going to live the fullness of his life in you, you're going to suffer this as he did. And being a Catholic, we're really being a Christian in this society, is going to bring us some form of persecution in some way. And that's a normal part of yeah, the Christian being, life. Being what we know now to be canceled. Right. Yeah. And it's happening and it will continue in its way and it might could be worse and might be worse and but it is our lord saying yes this is going to happen and you know woe to you as jesus says in luke you know if they all speak well of you if everyone speaks well of you, you that's not the path but that's what we want of course it's what we want but thankfully jesus said woe and not blessed <laughs> he doesn't say blessed are you and all speak well of you he says blessed are you when you are persecuted violent and slandered for the sake of me Yes. Right. So happy are you, right? There we're to true happiness again. So true happiness in the end is Christ, Jesus. And he defines it in the Beatitudes. And you see this on the cross because he yeah. was, of course, persecuted but right. mocked. But we don't want that. But at the end I said, well, do I want Jesus? Well, then just make him your one thing and the Beatitudes will, will occur. Yeah, yeah. So there it is, the, the ladder of ascent. None of it we can affect in ourselves. Yeah. It is a result of us allowing grace to operate in us with as much as we possibly can with by willing it, uh, as you say. Any uh, closing comments about the Beatitudes? No, let's climb the ladder with God's <laughs> grace alone. Right? Let's be raised up. A little foot. Yeah. Keep lifting your little foot at the bottom <laughs> rung, and it won't get there, but the Lord will carry us the whole way. Well, I want to thank so, you for your time. I want to thank my listeners for this. We've got a special segment coming up because it is uh, Catholic Schools Week, and you're going to hear from some people about that. So stay tuned. But on behalf of Father Rossi, we will see you again, maybe from the Holy Land. Yes. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for listening. God bless.